Hello, returning happies and new listeners. This is Steve Bennett Martin. And this is Stephen Martin Bennett. And, and welcome, welcome to, to A Lifetime, Lifetime of Happiness, Happiness, the podcast where we take you on our journey through some of the movies, shows, and other bits of pop culture that are helping to keep us happy while hopefully bring a smile to your face along the way. And we're spending the month of March talking about some of our favorite murder mystery movies. And in honor of our dog Remy's third birthday earlier this week, we're covering a movie that's all about birthday after birthday after birthday after birthday. It's Happy Death Day! Yes, and thankfully Remy didn't have a baby face killer mask chasing him all day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but before we get into all that, my love, what's been making you happy? Oh, it was a good weekend to finish off award season. The Oscars were Sunday, and Jamie Lee Curtis won Best Supporting Actress for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And the rest of the cast got their awards. The show got Best Editing. It got Best Directing, Writing, and Best Picture. They won seven awards. It is the most awarded movie in history. Wow. And one of my favorite movies of all time. And I love Jamie Lee Curtis, as you know. So this was just a really great day. Yes, and if you enjoyed everything, everywhere, all at once, and haven't heard our episode talking about it, scroll back a month or two and check it out. Yes, it was in January during our best of 2022 month. Yes, I'll leave it to you to love the movies. Yes. <laughs> what about you, my darling? What's been making you happy? Mark Jacobs. What about Mark Jacobs is making you happy? I have the opportunity to meet and interview Mark Jacobs at this year's Gain Sober Men's Conference. And so that's been making me happy. I've been working on it for, I would say, the past month, and it came to fruition last week. And now it's public news, and I'm very excited for the opportunity. I think it's incredible that you are going to share a stage in front of 500 people with fashion designer extraordinaire Mark Jacobs and have this one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's, it's so amazing. I know. I can't wait. I'm ready for June Pride in New York City already. Can we just fast forward the next few months? No, because if we get to June, yeah. that means summer in Sarasota is here, and I am not quite ready for the heat. All right. I also still have a little bit more to prepare for the conference, so we can hold off on time travel. Okay. Well, until then, how about we talk about the movie? I love that idea. I mean, I love Happy Death Day so much, and it makes me so happy. We saw it in the theaters. We did. And again afterwards. It's funny, it's smart, you know, you take that slasher genre in a new direction with that Groundhog Day twist, and the, the lead, Jessica, just does an amazing job, and I couldn't I agree it. more, they took the words right out of my mouth. Literally. Yeah. Why, why else do you love it? I think you covered everything. All right. Well, IMDb describes the movie as a college student must relive the day of her murder over and over again in a loop that will only end when she discovers her killer's identity. That is actually an accurate, like, IMDb summary. Good job. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Happy Death Day is a black comedy slasher film directed by Christopher Landon and written by Scott Lobdell, who we met. We did meet him. And he loved our cosplay. He did. We were dressed as Cyclops and Phoenix, and he even made a stand-up in the middle of one of the panels and acknowledged how great our costumes were. Yes, because you fell in love with him back then because he was a writer of the comics, X-Men. He was. He was writing Uncanny X-Men at the time. 
shortly after I first fell in love with the comics. Yes, well, I think that he wrote another hit here. I loved it. As I mentioned, it stars Jessica Roth as Tree and has Israel Broussard as Carter. It was released on October 13th, 2017, with a budget of only $4.8 million. Which I don't know how they did it with all the effects and everything. I feel like there's movies we cover that have much higher budgets that don't manage to land it as well. Right. And it had a killer box office of $125.5 million, spawning a sequel, Happy Death Day to You. Yes, and that is a different movie for a different episode. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. Took the premise and made it a little more out there. Yeah. The original script was written with Scott Lobdell, including material to make it an R-rated movie. It was supposed to be much grislier death scenes. Oh, yeah. Like, she dies and it immediately reverts back, but we could have easily seen a lot of blood and a lot of gore. Yep, and they definitely toned that all down to get a PG-13 rating with the film's director, Christopher Landon, leading that charge. Now, comic book writer Scott Lobdell said he wanted to play with the tropes of the slasher genre, as according to him, every slasher film opens with the mean girl getting killed and the good girl living till the end. And he thought, how can I make the mean girl and the good girl the same person? And I love that because that's exactly what this movie does. It, it gives the <laughs> the bad girl a chance to learn and grow while getting murdered over and over again. And if that won't spark a change in your personality, I can't imagine what would. <laughs> And the movie opens with a really cute touch. The intro of the Universal logo rewinds twice, like her days do. And the film opens as the bell tolls for 9 a.m. at Bayfield University on Monday the 18th. Teresa Tree Geldman wakes up hungover on her birthday in the dorm room of schoolmate Carter Davis. She ignores a phone call from her father with an annoying ringtone about her birthday. After asking for Tylenol, Tree starts to head out and sees Carter's roommate, Ryan, coming in and ask if he had slept with that fine vagina. Yeah. And to her disgust and Carter's embarrassment. Yes, and we've all just woken up somewhere not knowing where we were and who we might have been with the night before, right? No. Okay, well, I was able to relate to Jess, to Tree in this situation. But one thing I remember, actually, from the previews, which is funny because I don't remember a lot, but I remember her ringtone being 50 Cents in the Club. Yeah. Do you remember that in the movie? Absolutely, that was what was in the trailer. Yeah, but however, they couldn't get the rights to it in time, so instead they created that one that you love so much last minute. Oh, I mean, and it's fine, and it totally kind of fits with it. And it rips off into Club a little bit. And it, I mean, it's memorable. Yes, it is. And she has a walk across the quad, which we, we become more and more familiar with as we go through. But what are the, some of the, the small things that you notice? So there's a vampire that shames her with his sunglasses. Yes. A stop global warming girl. Mm-hmm. People making out, getting drenched by sprinklers. Yeah. A car alarm going off. Frat hazing of pledges who are made to stay awake and sing for 46 hours. And which leads us to the last part of the recurring thing in the quad, which is on her way to her own room. We meet suspect number one, a guy she went out with by the name of Tim. He asked Tree why she hasn't answered his texts. And she says, because their one date involved them going to a subway and it made her miserable. <laughs> and according to director Christopher Landon Tree's punchline of who takes their first date to subway? It's not like you have a foot long was improvised by Jessica. She is so smart. And what I find kind of sad is you if you look at IMDb since this, 
She has not been working steadily in what I like. I thought this was going to be a platform for like stardom. Yeah, if I was making a movie, I would want her in it. Absolutely, she's quite talented. What are your thoughts on Tim as a suspect? I mean, it definitely adds up at first. You know, he gives even later on at the frat party that kind of like I'm watching you from afar, like look. the whole wounded, privileged white boy. Yeah. It wouldn't be yeah. the first time that a wounded, privileged white boy went off the rails because of simple rejection. <laughs> I mean, we see it every month here in America. Yes. And it also reminds me with her having to just be as blunt as to say, it's not like you have a foot long. Have you ever had to be harsh with a guy for him to get the picture? Yes, my stalker. And he still didn't get it. Like, I was cruel and he didn't get it. And so he found some of my friends who were out one night while I was out of town and asked them why I was being mean to him since he and I were going out. And Brady was like, you aren't going out with him. Mm-hmm. I don't think you get that. You went out. You had sex because it was Steve at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you didn't go out again. Let it go. Yeah. I never had to be that mean. I grew up in the age of where ghosting was a thing, so I just ghosted. Oh, no. This is also the person I think I told you that called once, and I answered the phone. And he was, like, outside your house? And he was sitting across the street in his car, and I had to, like, lie and get in my car and go over to Brady's house. Yeah. And then you have suspect number two. Tree arrives at her dorm room and sees her roommate, Lori, Tree realizes she's late for class and frantically frantically gets ready, but Lori gives her a cupcake, which she baked specially just for Tree. For her birthday, and it's red velvet, and it has cream cheese frosting, so good job, Lori, on at least going out with a good cupcake. Yes, and Tree blows out the candle and dumps the cupcake in the trash because of carbs. Uh, And what's partially as annoying is she said she made the cupcake for her, you went to all that trouble for one cupcake? Yeah, I was like, there must have been at least, like, a batch. Yeah. But then again, she... She wor- she lives at the sorority house, so none of them, I, because one of our suspects in a minute, won't let them eat carbs, so... Yeah, I uh, don't know, but... But thought, uh, my thoughts on Lori as the suspect, mm-hmm. she actually seems more potential single white female yeah. than slasher killer. And you kind of wonder why she and Tree are roommates, like... Did they get assigned? Because I don't think they picked each other. Yeah. And at this point, Tree doesn't seem like a good person. And Lori seems like she's kind and she's focused. And she's either a med student or a nursing student because she's in scrubs. So we don't know. And she's figured out Tree's extracurricular activities, which we'll get to, and tells her she should stop them. Yes. Have you ever had any issues with college roommates? Actually, no. I had a dorm roommate who... He and I tolerated each other, spoke to each other. We never fought. We never hung out. After moving out day at the end of the year, we never saw each other again or spoke to each other again. So it was one of those things where neither of us did anything that really irked the other person, but we were just not made to be roommates. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, I had my issues with college roommates, but it was more like they frustrated me, so I just dealt with it silently and held on to resentments until I moved <laughs> out. But I did have issues after college with a roommate who moved in with me. <laughs> then about a week or two later, met a guy on Craigslist who moved in that night and 
sold drugs and stole for me, and she was like blind and oblivious to the entire thing. Oh my! And it turned that friendship really rough and really uncomfortable at the end. Ouch! Yeah, like I had a college roommate who's now like super MAGA, and we don't speak anymore. But whenever we were roommates, it was one of the best roommate situations. Yeah. Now we get to suspect number three. Yep. And Tree joins her sorority sisters during a lunch for a meeting regarding their spring charity event. The head sister, Danielle, chastises another sister, Becky, for bringing junk food to eat. Becky gets up to leave and bumps into Carter, causing Becky to spill her food all over Tree. Carter tries to return Tree some jewelry she left behind, but Tree pulls him aside to keep from hiding the fact that she slept in his room. Yes, and we now have, like, super cap a bitch. Danielle, did you think she was a suspect? Okay, so our first introduction to Danielle is slut-shaming Tree at the very beginning. Yeah. And then she's fat-shaming Becky, who isn't fat. Yeah. And the audience is told quickly that we are not to like Danielle. And we also know that Tree made out with a guy that Danielle likes, and from her personality, we know that she's probably petty enough to probably kill her dad for that... But also, that seems a little too obvious. So, while she has the most personality-like of a killer, Mm -hmm. I think it's too obvious for a whodunit for it to be her. Yeah, I agree. And also the fact that she seems like the type of person like Tree at the time who pisses a lot of people off. So, if her solution was murder for every time that a girl made out with her (laughs) slutty boyfriend, who I don't even understand why either of them like him. Somebody, lots of people would be dead. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And then we meet another kind of pair of suspects. Tree goes to her class and later meets with her professor, Dr. Gregory Butler. The two are having an affair despite Gregory being married. And we also meet his wife, Stephanie, who's at the door after Tree keeps it locked. Yeah. And is it me or does Stephanie look more like his mother than his wife? So absolutely. He looks to be about 32 and she looks in her 40s. And I can usually see in situations like this where you want to find someone that's attractive because obviously the guy that you're saying is the one that's caught in the Mm -hmm. middle would have been sleeping with someone attractive and married to someone attractive. But you don't want the wife person to be more attractive than the girls. Because girl. it's like, why is he doing that? Right. But I think they went too far with the casting because while Stephanie is a beautiful woman, I think they went too far with the age difference. Yeah, I agree. But do you think that she would be a suspect? Um, no. I, okay, two things. So she seems like she's totally aware of what her husband does. Yeah. The look in her eyes is like, this is the new one. So she, I don't think she's clueless. It's, has she been putting up with it for the doctor money? And she's just going to keep putting up with it because she has her own affair on the side? Or was this the one that pushed her too far? We'll find out. Yeah. Danielle invites Tree to a party at a fraternity later that evening. Tree gets through the campus alone and passes a group of guys wearing the school's sports team merchandise. They're the babies. Which is would never happen at a university, I'm sorry. Apparently, no. There was like a huge almost lawsuit that they took this mascot from like a, a school in New Orleans. No. Yeah, and because this movie takes place in New Orleans, like it was like a whole pending lawsuit that's still going on. Do you mean like that guy that we saw on... Remember when we were like there on Bourbon Street? On Bourbon Street, yeah. and he was wearing 
a speedo and a baby mask. Yeah. Do you think that that's possibly like their mascot? I hope not that mascot because that mask was creepy. Oh, so creepy. Okay. Yes. As she starts heading towards the tunnel, she hears the sound of a music box playing "Happy Birthday." Tree goes over to pick up the box and sees someone with a baby mask standing a few feet behind her. She threatens to call the cops, and the person runs. Tree starts to leave, but is then chased by the masked person, and they eventually catch her and stab her to death. Okay, one question that's not in the script. Do you think, because of all the movies we watch and everything, the sound of a music box is A, cute, B, always creepy? Always creepy. Okay, me too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, and the Bayfield University baby killer costume was designed by Tony Gardner, who also designed the ghost face mask, which you love and we all know from the Scream films. Yes, well done, Tony Gardner. Yes, and director Christopher Landon tested wearing the option of a baby mask for the killer in the office, and when he scared a coworker, he confirmed it was the right choice. I mean, you see it and you're like, really, a baby? And then the more you look at it, you're like, That's fucking creepy. It is really creepy. Yeah. But rather than being dead, dead, Tree wakes up in Carter's room at the beginning of the same day. What? Clearly freaked out and confused, she leaves the room and thinks she's going through deja vu. She goes to her room and once again she rejects Lori's cupcake, but this time just leaves it instead of dumping it. During lunch, Tree warns Becky before Carter bumps into her, but the same thing still happens because it was just a little bit too late. Yep. Stephanie catches her in Gregory's office after it's been locked. And I just forgot, like, part of the plot is that she was hungover. And I was like, waking up every morning with that killer hangover must be horrible. I was like, oh, wait, I did that for too long. So (laughs) I'm glad that those days are over. Yeah. Now, have you ever, because we live in, like, a world where movies like Groundhog Day exist, have you ever, like, woken up and thought that you were living the same day again, only to realize that you were being silly? So... It's a little bit reverse. There was one time in Cincinnati that I was sick. Mm -hmm. And so I was sleeping off and on for a full 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And each time I woke up, I thought it was a new day. Yeah. And like, I felt like I had gone through a week's worth of time and like to realize that it was still the same, like the same day I kept waking up and it was still the same day and it felt like it shouldn't be. And it was very confusing. So similar, but not from a deja vu sense. Okay. (laughs) What about you? Yeah. I remember one time when I was like living on my own and having a very like wake up, go to work, get home, just watch TV. Like there was a day where I could have sworn I lived the same Sunday twice, but like, I obviously know that that didn't happen, but like, cause I didn't have like the deja vu moments, but like I lived through a Sunday and then I woke up again and I was like, and I looked and it was Sunday, but I guess it was just Saturday the day before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love from her, her sorority sister, deja vu means someone's thinking about you while they masturbate. And it happens to her five times a day. Oh, that's some, um, So I decided to look at deja vu from a spiritual perspective because that's what I do. Yeah. And so there's several things. It's a key indicator that you are on the right path and meant to be where you are currently standing. Mm -hmm. And some say it is something that you experienced in a past life. And some believe from a more scientific thing that when you've previously dreamed something so vividly that when something similar happens in your real waking wife, your brain vaguely remembers 
the dream, and that's why you get the feeling of deja vu. See, and I never remember any of my dreams, so that might be why I don't really get deja vu too much. Do, mm. you, do you get deja vu ever? I do. And like that's because I'm thinking about you while I masturbate. <laughs> As you should. So I kind of like that it's your whole spirit guide key indicator that you're on the right path. But also with how vividly I dream, I could also see it being my brain remembering a, a vague dream. All right. You take your answers. I'll keep the masturbating. <laughs> okay. Now, Tree heads over to the party again, but this time avoids the bridge because who the hell would go through that bridge again? Exactly. She makes it to the fraternity, and it's dark, and the front door is locked, which is weird because there's supposed to be a party. Yeah. She's knocked, and she's greeted by someone with a baby mask who causes her to scream and punch them in the face. Bravo. <laughs> it turns out to be Nick, the guy Danielle likes that Tree kissed the night before. It's a surprise party for Tree. Aww. She goes around drinking and trying to enjoy herself. She sees the the creepy Tim, Tim who's like, just staring at her, at her from across the room. Yep. And she goes up to Nick's room where he messes around with the mask for a bit. When she's not looking, Tree gets a text from Danielle accusing her of hooking up with Nick behind her back again after it already happened freshman year. And while Nick's douchey techno music is playing so loud, the killer comes in and kills Nick before attacking Tree. After a struggle, he takes her out with a broken bong piece, which is awesome. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we've kind of went over the suspects, but there's really no one that she encounters in her day-to-day life that she treats with (laughs) kindness at this point. No, not at all. And, and like at this point in the movie, who are your prime suspects? Danielle, Tim, and Stephanie, the doctor's wife. Yep. But also something that happens in the scene that kind of you forget about. She's screaming for help. Mm-hmm. One of the frat boys opens the door. Yeah. And she goes, oh, God, help me, help me, screaming for help. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, and closes the door, letting what he thinks is Nick have his way with her against her will. Yeah, that's not cool. No, not at all. (laughs) Now, Tree wakes up in Carter's room again. She's even more freaked out this time. She's panicked and spiraling. She runs out to her room and tells Lori she's living the day over and over again, and someone's after her. Lori calms her down and suggests he takes the day off and relax in her room and eat a cupcake. Yep. Tree locks up the room and puts up boards to prevent anyone from getting in, but later that night, the killer breaks in anyway. Tree fights off the killer a little bit, but is still stabbed to death. Now, who would be the first person you would confide in back in college? I went through a different couple phases of college, but like the one that like lasts the longest, it, was, it would probably be one of my roommates, like when I was living with Peter. So I could... Leslie, Monika, Ronnie, Jay, Catherine... I could have turned to any of them. Some of them might not have believed me as much, but they all would have been there for me. Yeah, and did the killer being able to get into her sorority room this easily eliminate any of the suspects for you or raise any new flags? No, because a trope of any slasher flick is that the killer seems to have a skeleton key to every building and every door and can be anywhere at any time. We see it with Halloween. We see it with Scream. Just whenever they think they're safe, the killer was somehow behind them. So no, by the rules of any slasher movie, like they, that he could have, the killer could have gotten in at any point in time. Like she thought she was in the room alone and had the door barricaded and things like, we don't even know how they got in. Yeah. And 
I just also have to give kudos to the suspense scenes before her death like this one, but like a couple of them are just really good action scenes where they really get your heart pumping. No, but this one with the suspense because she's in the room, she has barricaded the door, she's put boards over the windows. We think she's truly alone and she's trying to change the channel with and the TV goes off and she can't find the remote. So she gets up and then she realizes, oh, someone could be in the closet or someone could be in the bathroom. And then she starts going towards the bathroom and her hand is slowly, slowly, slowly reaching for the shower curtain. And just as she's about to do it, the killer messes with the TV again with the remote. She turns around, heads back out to the TV, and then the killer is behind her in the bathroom. The killer was behind the shower curtain and was able to get the jump on her by playing with the TV. Like she almost would have had the jump on the killer at that yeah. point. Uh, Tree goes through the same thing again, waking up in the dorm room. And this time she's in a fugue state as she stumbles into the quad only to have Carter come after her. She then explains her situation to him and he's understandably confused. He suggests that the, she narrows down her list of suspects until she can find out who the killer is. Carter thinks the killer may be specifically targeting Tree on her birthday, which means everybody at school is a suspect since Danielle told everyone about the surprise party. <laughs> she also learns that they didn't sleep together, but he took care of her to make sure she didn't choke on her own vomit. Oh, now I do love that her line to Carter when he's not quite getting it. Will you stop staring at me like I just took a dump on your mom? <laughs> yeah, that is funny. And I would love to see that. Well, no, I wouldn't want to see no. that. You know what I mean. <laughs> and her list of suspects are the Uber driver she spit on and the girl she got fired from TJ Maxx last week. Tree is not a good person. No, she's not. If you were murdered tomorrow, who would be the biggest suspects? I mean, besides me, obviously. I can't say the name out loud, but I I think we pretty much oh. what I I think that that person would be but I think I that, don't think they have the reason anymore <laughs> or maybe more. Yeah. And the list is much smaller these days than in my twenties in Cincinnati. I bet it is. What about you? Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Yep. My coworker, Morgan, but I, I would be one of her many victims on a, a, a tirade path. Now, would you believe it if a friend came to you with this issue? Depends on the friend. Yeah. But like if you came to me, if like someone I knew and trusted came to me, I'd be like, okay, I'm in. But if it was like, like in this case, like someone I just like took care of last night when they were too drunk and didn't know them beforehand. And then they yeah. woke up saying this, I would have a hard time believing it as well. Yeah. Agreed. Now tree goes through several loops as she goes after her suspects. She first goes after Tim, but catches him in his room looking at gay porn which she's very proud of him for. <laughs> yes. After dying again, she suspects Stephanie, but she spots Stephanie moments before the killer drowns her. She then suspects Danielle, but ends up dying on her own after the two get into a fight and they get hit by the bus. And then she takes one walk through the quad completely in the nude. Now, question before we get to the nude part. Yeah. At the, critically, though, like, does that necessarily eliminate Danielle? Not, the fact that they at, got hit by a bus together? Not at all, because the man baby wasn't driving the bus. Like, if she looked up and the man baby was behind the wheel of a car, yeah. then Danielle would be cleared the same way Stephanie was cleared because she got drowned while Stephanie was still in eyesight. Yeah. But because we didn't see who was driving the bus, 
Danielle's not cleared. She just died again. Yeah, and that that's what makes me, like, the first time through, I thought that it was going to be Danielle, because I was like, they're trying to trick us. Because she the way that they tried to the trick list. us in Scream 6. Yeah. And in the scene where Tree walks through the campus quad naked, the original plan was to have her wear, like, modesty covers and shoot strategically. But Jessica Roth, however, wanted to do it in the nude so she could feel the same thrill Tree was having. Because of this, it had to be done quickly, given that it was being filmed on an active college campus, thus presenting the risk of students witnessing the scene, seeing her naked, being filmed, or taking photos. So the crew took extreme precautions to clear away any potential onlookers, with all the female members of the crew surrounding her with like big coats and clothes <laughs> to prevent future onlookers. And in the end, they managed to do it with just two or three takes, and Jessica says it was the most freeing moment of her life. Would you do that if you could? If if I had a body like hers, probably yeah. like you know, svelte and all of that, because I think you would have to be comfortable in your own skin completely before you could do that. I would, Unless you're just saying, "Fuck it." I was gonna say I'm heavy, and I would still love to do that. I would, <laughs> I would, I would. I would like if it wasn't like against the law, I'd want to go streaking. <laughs> like I think that like going to like a nudist campus somewhere on our bucket list. I think that it's just like it, it must be pretty freeing. You never know. <laughs> the next morning, she passes out in Carter's dorm room and is taken to the hospital, where Doctor Gregory shares that she sustained severe internal damage and scar tissue and lesions from her previous deaths, and that she should be dead. While going through Gregory's office for a key so that she can escape the hospital, Tree finds a baby mask in his drawer. However, the killer stabs Gregory and then has an awesome chase scene as she chases Tree into the parking lot. Tree makes it to the car and gets out of the parking garage. And as Tree excitedly thinks that she escaped death and that because she plans to keep on driving until it's the next day, a cop pulls her over for speeding and realizing that a way to be safe is to get arrested and put in a prison cell, she goes, yeah, I'm so drunk, so high. I like all the drugs, yeah. all of that, drunk and high. And when she is cuffed and put in the back of the car, man baby drives past and hits the cop and grazes the cop car, and the gas tank starts leaking, and the killer drops a birthday candle to ignite the fuel, and blows Tree up. Yes. Now, are we starting to see a change in Tree's personality yet? Absolutely. Yeah, I see it a little bit where she thanked Carter mm -hmm. before he left the hospital. But I also wonder, like, if she did survive this time and did just drive away into the next night, whether it would have been a lasting permanent personality change or whether she would have thought, like, I beat this thing and I'm good now and kind of reverted back to old behavior. I don't think that she would have gotten to where she is at the end of the movie, yeah. but I think she would have been a permanently better person than she was. Yeah, and while I'm no Dr. Gregory, don't these injuries injuries mean that even if she ends up surviving through this movie, that she's probably medically fucked the rest of her life? Yeah, she. I think she'd have to have a lot of surgeries to remove some scar tissue and things, because my guess is that her internal organs probably have scar tissue wrapped around them. Yes, 
And whoever the killer is, I also just think at this point, like so far they've just killed Tree, but now they're willing to kill a cop to get to her. And I feel like that's some next level hate. Like if I wanted to kill someone, which I don't, but if I was had someone in my like lines that I was like, I'm going to murder them, I can't imagine wanting to murder someone so bad I would also murder a cop or anyone else who got in my way. Right, you don't want to have any collateral damage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, Tree wakes up in Carter's room again. Yep. She proves she knows what's going to happen by pointing out some things that she's been noticing frequently, like the car alarm going off, the sprinklers being set off on the college students, the frat pledges standing together while one member drops to the ground. And if someone, like, said that they were doing this, even if it was a guy you just met the night before when you were drunk, Mm -hmm. if they were able to point out all of that, would you believe them? Yes. Yeah, I think that, otherwise it'd be like the world's strangest flash mob conspiracy, right? And, I mean, and it would have had to have been too planned. Like it like it'd be very difficult. It would be. I mean, cause she would have also had to have faked being that drunk yeah. and everything like this would have had to, have been, he would have had to have picked out, it would have had to have been timed perfectly and everything. Like in that that Netflix show where they explain the magic, where they convince this guy that he turned invisible because everyone in the park was just ignoring him and acting like they couldn't see him. I love that episode of Magic for Humans. Yeah, that's that's what this reminded me of. Is I was like, <laughs> if it was like all a conspiracy, that would be just like that. <laughs> now Carter takes Tree to a nearby burger place as she is now getting weaker with each new loop. She's getting worried that she may be running out of lives. Tree mentions avoiding her dad's phone calls and tells Carter that her mom passed away three years earlier. She and her mom share a birthday. Mm-hmm. Moments later, they see a news report on TV about a serial killer named Joseph Toombs, who is notorious for going after young women that all kind of resemble Tree. Tree believes he's the killer, and now she can finally stop him. Yes, and now you really are starting to see more of a change now that she realizes she might only have so many lives before they run out. You can see that in the way she is talking to and sharing with Carter. Like, this isn't the tree. Like, the tree at the beginning wouldn't have been vulnerable. Yeah, and my only question about Toombs possibly being the killer is how would he know it was her birthday? Because they were clearly taunting with her that a couple times. Right, so yeah, that part doesn't track... But she does fit the profile of his victims, and she has been horribly killed multiple times. So a serial killer does make sense, but you're right. The whole birthday thing, the only way that would work is if they had had a previous connection, but she doesn't know him, so... He's kind of our red herring. Yes. Train Carter runs to the hospital to stop Tombs, but he's already killed the security guard and escaped. Tree grabs a fire axe and tries to run from Tombs. Carter protects Tree, but Tombs snaps his neck. Ugh, brutally. Yeah, Tree manages to incapacitate Tombs, but realizes that if she succeeds in stopping the loops, Carter will stay dead. She runs to the top of the bell tower before Tombs can catch her, and she hangs herself, promising to find Tombs soon. Now, would you repeat the loop for a cute guy you just met? Not for somebody I just met, but at this point, I feel like in Tree's world, they've spent a lot of time together. Yeah, would you have done it for me after our first date? After our first date, yeah, because we had already been talking for over a month. Yeah. All right, now Tree starts the new loop with more positive energy. She greets Carter warmly, signs the petition, warns the students about the sprinklers, puts a pillow on the ground for a pledge to land on, 
And when Tim approaches her, she kindly tells him that he no- she knows he doesn't like girls and that he should be free to love who he really wants. Tree makes nice with Lori and apologizes for being the worst roommate. Tree goes to Gregory's class and interrupts his lecture to pull him out and tell him she's breaking things off with him and she's dropped his class. During the lunch meeting, Tree shows up with a tray full of junk food and proudly scarfs it down. Although Danielle tries to send Becky away, Tree doesn't let her leave and instead takes Becky's chocolate milk to pour on Danielle's head, humiliating her. Because Danielle seems to have something truly against chocolate milk. Yes. Carter then comes by to return Tree's jewelry and she kisses him in front of the other sisters. She then invites Carter to join her later that night for her birthday if she makes it. (laughs) Have you ever spilled a drink on someone either slowly like this or throwing it in their face? No, but I wish. Like one day I want you just to say it's okay and have me throw a drink in your face so I can say I did it to someone because I've never had the chance. Have you? Yes, multiple times. I've dropped drinks on people's laps, but that was more just because I was a drunken mess. No. I've never had this like drama moment. What was it like? So in seventh grade... We were at uh, the Sweetheart Dance, and this girl was just being a real bitch. And I said, you know, you don't have to act like that. And she hauls off and hits me in the balls. And so I threw my drink on her and her fancy Sweetheart Dance dress. Well, there you go. We got to protect those balls, babe. And then, of course, I've thrown a drink on some people out at clubs and bars before, but they had it coming. I'm sure they did. Now, Tree goes to have lunch with her dad, David. Finally, she admits to him that it's been hard to be around him since her mother died, but she says she loves him and is sorry for hurting him. The two then laugh to lighten the mood and they have lunch. And it's turning out to be the perfect day, which begs the question, did you think this would be the last day? 100% this felt like this would be the last day. All the growth and the way that she's fixed things, this was going to be the one. Yes. We'll see. Tree prepares herself to go after Tombs. She goes up to the security guard with a knife and takes his gun before telling him to get back up. Tree then walks into Tombs' room and aims the gun at him as he pretends to be asleep. She tries to shoot him, but she forgot to take the safety off. Rookie mistake. Yep. Tombs gets up and fights Tree, brutally slamming her against the wall. Tree had planned for the rolling blackout that's been happening every night. Our tuition dollars at work. Yes, which happens right at the right moment for her to escape out of his line of sight. She appears behind him and takes the safety off, allowing her to shoot him dead. Leaving Tree and Carter to spend the rest of the night together. They eat Lori's cupcake and then blow it out and she makes a wish. For for tomorrow. tomorrow. And if this was how the movie ended, would you have felt satisfied? Yeah, it would have been satisfying, but we would have needed a small scene the next morning to show us that she had woken up on the 19th. Like, that was needed. Yeah, but, like, if she woke up on the 19th, you'd be like, okay, it was tombs all along, makes sense, no questions, and you would have left happy? With how she had fixed her day and everything, I would have overlooked a plot hole and been content. There you go. Because... I like happy endings. Yes. Well, we are about to reveal that plot hole's answer. A tree wakes up once more in Carter's room. The birthday ringtone plays. It's still Monday the 18th. She becomes confused and angry, wondering how she could be stuck in the loop. She runs back to her room to pack up and run away. But then Lori offers her the cupcake again. Tree declines and says she ate it the night before. And then it hits her. She died in her sleep, which is because the cupcake was poisoned all along. 
Yeah, she never ate the cupcake any time before, so she realizes Lori was the killer the whole time, and after the cupcake didn't work, she took it into her own hands. Since she works at the hospital, Lori was able to set Toombs loose and make it look like he killed Tree due to his history, but it was always Lori. Tree tries to make Lori eat the cupcake and even threatens to bring it to the police. Lori comes clean and said this was all because Gregory was more into Tree. You've been killing me over a stupid guy? That's not the only reason. You're also a dumb bitch. (laughs) Yes, the two start fighting as Lori tries to finish Tree off for good. They are interrupted by Danielle from outside the room as Lori has Tree pinned down to the bed. But Tree manages to grab the cupcake and shove it in Lori's mouth. Tree then jumps up and grabs the ceiling lamp so she can kick Lori's ass out the window to her death in front of the poor, cute, blonde Asian girl who just wants to smile at all the world while listening to her K-pop. Ah, so... Also, something I noticed again, and I had noticed this before, when she grabs the ceiling lamp, Mm -hmm. it's not action movie-esque. It's awkward, and you're like, that's how it should be. She's not a gymnast. She's not trained to do this. Yeah, She used the momentum, but the way she grabbed onto it and then swung was like a normal human would do that hadn't practiced that. So I was like, good on the movie for not making it look right out of a superhero film. Ah, yeah, it was very well done. So was the reveal. What did you think of it being Lori? Because she wasn't any she wasn't on the list of suspects, which I also think is kind of funny because because she's a good person and she's focused on her work. Mm -hmm. And she was just trying to make Tree be a better person by telling her to stop having the affair because she like Tree saw Lori as someone who had their shit together. Mm -hmm. And that's why Lori probably annoyed her. Yeah. But and so she never thought that it could be her. Yeah, well, that was the first clue is when she was going to meet Gregory. Laurie warns her, I think something like this is bound to have some pretty serious consequences. Except that most likely it could have been her getting expelled from school. True. But then second, the murderer used a candle to light the fuel leaking from the police unit in that one death scene. And it was very similar to the candle on the cupcake, which Laurie made for Tree. I missed it being similar to the cupcake candle. I just assumed it was a birthday candle because of the whole birthday thing, happy death day thing. Yeah, and another Easter egg is in Tree's supposed last loop where she fixes everything, including her relationship with Lori. Lori doesn't give her the cupcake because she may have been disoriented from Tree's apology, but she still later releases John Toombs from his restraints, who then goes on and attacks Tree as before. This was done to show that it was more than just needing an apology. She's still a psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> Tree having and sharing the cupcake with Carter at the end of that specific loop also indicates that Lori gave her the cupcake at a later point or Tree possibly found it. Yeah. And since after doing this loop so many times, she knows where everything is by this point, like Carter's Tylenol yeah. and things. She probably knows where her cupcake is too. So I could see her finding it. Yes. Now I'm no toxicologist, but how much poison w- would have needed to be in the one cupcake to kill so much so that even having it in her mouth freaked out Lori yeah. enough. Like, like just having it shoved in her, not even ingesting it freaked her out so yeah. much. So I think a lot. Yes. Now, Trey and Carter in a diner watching the news report on the incident with Danielle doing an interview just for the publicity. And that adds up. Yep. (laughs) Carter starts to tell Tree that her situation reminds him of Groundhog Day, but she's never heard of it or Bill Murray. And while I have heard of Groundhog Day and Bill Murray, I also have never seen Groundhog Day. Your parents did such a disservice to you 
and your movie history. In so many ways. Like, not seeing the Indiana Jones movies, not seeing the Ghostbusters movies, not seeing the Back to the Future movies, not seeing Groundhog Day. I didn't like, see Star Wars until I was in, like, junior high or high school. Okay, that's fine. But the others seem like a crime. Yeah. Well, Trey wakes up, and here's the birthday ringtone again. No! Carter acts like she's just waking up hungover again, so Trey starts to freak out, but Carter reveals he's just playing the world's meanest prank on her, and that it is Tuesday the 19th. Oh, Carter. They laugh about it and kick Ryan out when he tries to come back in, and they start kissing. Because Ryan wanted to see if he had gotten that fine vagina. And he did. (laughs) Now... We also saw the alternate ending. Ugh. So there was an original ending. Yep. Featured Tree succumbing to her accumulated injuries after she kills off Lori, her real killer. Because we see her pass out yeah. in her sorority room. So in the original script, she wakes up in the hospital after waking up from those injuries. She yep. sees her father. She sees Carter. Yep. Everything's fine. Yep. And then in after being told no painkillers. Yep quote-unquote nurse comes in to administer her painkillers and we find out that it was Stephanie, the doctor's wife, finally giving revenge for sleeping with her husband, thus entering another time loop. The test audiences, as well as you when you watched it, reacted furiously to this ending, feeling betrayed that the protagonist, after becoming a better person, could not break free from her past. This ending was conceived as a way of leading the viewer to believe it was never going to end, and it was scrapped and reshot to the current theatrical ending as a result. And the sequel also ignores the new ending because it opens with the scene where Ryan catches Train Carter kissing on the bed, and Carter tells him to get out. So when I saw the original ending, I didn't see it as starting a new loop or a mm-hmm. loop at all. I saw it more as she made it through all that. And now she dies for real. Yeah. That's how I saw it, which is what pissed me off even yeah. more. Because I could have been okay with her fixing the loop one more time. Yeah. But and not dying. Not for dying real. for real. Yeah. But final thoughts on the real ending. And the movie in general. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Bravo. It was such a delight. It's another one of those movies like Megan and Violent Night And those movies that are exactly what it says it's going to be. And there is absolutely a place in cinema for movies that are just fun. Yes. Agreed. And this was a lot of fun. And I love it very much. Yep. You know what else I love very much? Me. Yes. And our listeners. Oh. We'd love to hear what you think of Happy Death Day as well as this episode. You can do that by emailing us at happylifepod at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on all the socials, whether that is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at Happy Life Pod. And until next time, everybody, stay happy. You're still here, which is great because there's something we probably forgot to mention this episode. That is correct. Each episode as we're discussing movies, music, and games, there's a good chance we've used a small clip or two from the original source material. Yes, and those clips are not ours. We do not own the rights to any of the music or clips. They were used to help solicit a discussion to appreciate the original source material. And with that, if you are still listening, you likely really appreciate our material as well. I mean, how could you not? And if you've enjoyed this episode, then you should also ask yourself, when's the last time I told a friend to check out A Lifetime of Happiness? If your answer was not today, 
Well, it should be. Yes. So go tell your best squirrel friend about our podcast today. And don't forget to subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening to get new episodes each Wednesday. Stay happy.